Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Comedy on Power Talk, thank you so much for making us part of your day today. And what an honor it is to bring back a really hungry cat, somebody who's starving, um, you know, always looking to feed his spirit and his soul on the bandstand and all different genres of music. Uh, he can, considers himself part of the Duke Ellington School of Music and has taken on his career that way, um, always uh, taking on the challenge of a new gig, new instrumentation, uh, challenging himself to continue to grow. And um, no matter what, whenever we come out on the other side of this thing, this virus and the mismanagement of it and all the um, the commodification of art, um, I believe my guest has put himself in a position uh, of my, in mind, body, and spirit to um, be ready to adapt to whatever the new reality holds and continue to try to inspire cats to be themselves um, through his work on the bandstand. Scott Law, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you, Jake. Thank you for that nice introduction, too. You're most welcome, brother. I... Uh, I mean it, man. I, uh, I, I wonder, like, are you, um, you know, like Andy Coe, Jimmy Russell, or, or do you, is that part of you, like, I know Portland's just brimming with musicians, but I mean, are you, uh, are you hip to those cats? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, um, I mean, I know Jimmy and I've done a little bit of playing with Jimmy around town. Um, and then Andy, of course, is, uh, from up in Seattle and, uh, Andy and I have done a lot of playing, actually, over the last several years, which has been just a – he's just one of my favorite guitar bros. <laughs> Wait, tell me – I mean, because, dude, that dude – like, we did an interview and, like, you know, it was kind of – he, like, at first wasn't really totally aware of, like, what who he was getting in the ring with. But by the end, he was, like, totally just, like, this was the most insane interview. But he really strikes me as somebody who, from the old school, is – doesn't try to overcomplicate things or over intellectualize things. Obviously, he learns stuff, but it's more about allowing the information to come through him from the heavens, the kind of the way you play, you know? Yeah, I definitely love Andy's playing. And you, like, I feel like we're brothers in that way. Like, you know, um, the music kind of comes through him for sure. And he's got some technical facility too. He's got some chops. No, it yeah. it's it's not no because that's the magic of it. The magic yeah, so. the magic is when you have the right. you have the facility, but then you allow yourself your ego gets out of the way, so you don't feel like it's got to be a you know a, a, a course on riffology, and you can just allow that information to come out of you, however it does. And that yeah. uniqueness is the sickest thing. I mean, that's music, right? I mean, that's the magic of music, you know? That's the thing. And that's that's the ultimate goal. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, have something to say, but know when to say it. <laughs> and, and, and try to say it differently every time. You know, I, I'm not, you know, yeah. I, I wonder, like, who in, you know, have you talked to, some of your <clears throat> elders, uh, spirit brothers who I often ask this question to people about, <clears throat> you know, for some cats, um, the reality is 
based on the trajectory of where we're headed, um, you know, if they're north of 70 years old, um, it's there's a chance they maybe played their last gig on the bandstand. I mean, it's possible. We don't know. And I wonder if you could talk about your approach to playing live. Did you take it for granted? Um, or had you always been in the position of saying, I have to play I used to never understand what people would say, this could be my last show, you know, but do you play mm-hmm. as if it's a matter of life and death? And have you talked to some of your elders about how they are dealing with the idea of, I mean, you're going to get back on the bandstand. Ross James is going to get back on the bandstand. Mark Levy's going to, I mean, eventually something's, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I hope, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. you know we, we hope, but it's, you know, um, but, but, but we have time on our side, even though there are no guarantees, tomorrow's not guaranteed, but, have you, I mean, you're pretty much always, um, I mean, you get off on the entire concept of music coming out of a community, which is when the best music is made. So have you talked to your elders about how they're dealing with this time? Because um, to me, I feel like if they're in the right frame of mind, then they could provide a lot of inspiration for our, our cats our age. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's. I've done more talking around this subject. You know, someone mentioned the other day, like, look at uh, who was it? You know, someone said to me the other day, like, man, some of this older generation, like Paul Simon or something. You know, it's like, are these guys going to be able to mount a tour again if they wanted to? You know, in time how long is it all, you know what I mean I haven't actually talked to uh, I haven't really talked directly to any of my sort of elder mm-hmm. mentors about that basically a lot of it too is like all of it I'm really trying not to future trip sure no, absolutely no you're right the projection would not be I just wasn't sure how much you talk and first of all who would you consider more the better question is who do you consider? to be your musical elders well uh certainly um for me phil lesh and daryl anger mm-hmm. are probably right on the top of that list oh, yeah. um but also you know some other folks that um maybe your listeners haven't heard of uh there's a cat up in seattle washington who i learned a ton from uh who's still active and awesome his name is Orville Johnson. Orville Johnson. Oh, dude, he just, we just got, dude, I'm so glad. I was trying to figure out how I became friends with him on Facebook. Dude, <laughs> dude that, so that dude, he, you know, he looks like uh, a sage of some sort, but uh, he, yeah. he definitely is a sage and he's <laughs> definitely laid a lot of good, good stuff on me when I was coming up. What did he, can you talk, was it more about attitude and urgency more than technique or, or what did he, what, what was something salient that he, that he gave, that he brought into your musical consciousness? You know, Orville was a guy that, um, he, he's very versatile. He's like into the country and the bluegrass side of things, but he's also really into the kind of the nastiest, meanest blues available. (laughs) (laughs) And he plays guitar, uh, electric and acoustic. And he plays a second instrument. Well, he actually plays several instruments, but when I first met him, he was playing. Uh, he was playing in this awesome little jug band called Strangers with Candy, 
And, uh, yeah. and yeah. I mean, they were seriously, like, these guys were ramshackle. They were awesome. And uh, he played dobro in that band. And so I guess it was just, you know, he was probably, he's a notch generation older than me. He had spent a time on the riverboat with John Hartford, you know. Wow. In, uh, and wow. Uh, uh, so he he really laid a lot of stuff on me just about like playing acoustic music mostly and you know kind of had a sort of wiggle between the styles of you know american musics that are played on acoustic guitar he's a geek of finger pick and flat pick everything so um and do you feel like i mean in your gut do you feel like people like i don't know i mean i think about phil a lot because I didn't realize this till a couple of years ago, but I had no idea he was the oldest cat in the Grateful Dead. You know, I mean, he's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he um, has he was probably, um, you know, I remember Garcia in um, early, early MTV. There's this legendary video. I don't know if you've seen it before, but it's like the first year MTV came out in 83 and Jerry Band happened to be at the Roseland ballroom. And, 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 uh, so there's this woman who's kind of cool. Actually it was kind of like really hip. Uh, she's like interviewing Garcia about his band. And, you know, it's just so funny because people keep <laughs> confusing the grateful dead with Jerry Garcia band. <laughs> They're different, but right. she started to talk about Phil and Jerry was just like, you know, man, he's just the smartest guy I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I mean, and Jerry was obviously like, you know, in his own way, like a completely like, you know, uh, brilliant, smart guy. But I feel like Phil was always challenging the band. I think Phil like was probably the smartest. I don't know what the right word is, but he was just always never satisfied and was was one of those guys, you know, he could keep pushing the band forward and obviously he played the instrument like i don't think anybody else played the instrument anywhere close to phil lesh and so i feel like part of him you know why should he be in a bad place he's played more live shows than anybody (laughs) but at (laughs) at the same time I feel like his heart's broken too, you know? I feel like it's got to it's got to be a you know, I mean, how do you feel about these cats? I mean, I you know, not that they're they're they're, well, they're not groveling, they're not they're not poor, they're not losing, you know, but yet you know, he put all this money into something that is so freaking cool and everybody else should be doing stuff like Terrapin Crossroads, but now what is the future? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you 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 know him better than I do. Well, I mean, uh I feel I I definitely have thought about what it must be like. Um, I mean, but we're all feeling the same thing. We're all this is all feeling like st- stolen time, you mm, know, mm. to to some degree. Like wow. But on the other hand, you know, it's like all right. Well, there's the whole ad- how to adapt to it thing. And if anybody I know has got the mind is able to, you know, condition. <laughs> his mind, yes. whatever the reality appears to be, um, it's, it's, it's good old Phil. Good old um, Phil man. <laughs> we're all missing playing. And when we do play, um, I mean, there's been a few little, like little dip in the toe in the water of outdoor. Sure. Uh, like I actually 
you know, I was going crazy, um, crazier than usual. Yeah, no, I mean, believe me. <laughs> thinking dude, I, about, yeah, it's thinking about winter coming on. Right. And a couple of things, you know, I'd been getting a few offers over the summer, but I've just been really nervous about it, and I don't want to send the wrong impression about getting people to gather. Well, as the summer... For, for safety, you know? Oh, dude, dude. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, at know, some point, you're, you know, I, I mean, dude, I respect, listen, man, I, I think it is the finest line because you guys are actually exhibiting the kind of humanity that you guys stand for, not just the music. Most people would be like, all right, let, let's get, you know, if there are a certain type of people, there's like a lot of the country that's like this, just, you know, live with it and go about your daily life. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I have forever uh, – this flashed on me when you were er, – earlier as you yeah. were kind of unraveling this – beginning to unravel this line, which was like literally, man, I've been so grateful every step of the way to be able to do what I've been taking for granted. Like I can't even believe I've made it this long in life and <laughs> I've been able to do it yeah. playing guitar, you know, I, playing totally music. Dig. To me – that is the greatest privilege, and um, so every moment of life where that has been the case, like I, I feel really fortunate. And that said, you know, yeah, it feels like, man, for some folks, it's like this thing, you know. I mean, we're obviously, I think, everybody's gearing up for. It's going to be several more months. It's gonna. We don't know how long. You know, we don't know what normal will look like or when, you know, I don't want to, you know, I did not mean to break your train of thought. You had been getting offers this summer. Did something recently come up and you decided to dip your toe in the water? I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so I had been, I got, I got enticed mostly by the fact that I had lodging figured out where I could be, have a a solo lodging bubble. I figured I could drive myself wherever. So uh, right. driving my car, you know, COVID safe. Anyway, I went to Colorado and uh, did an outside backyard private gig that was safe, at, you know, exceeding guidelines. It felt safe. I wore a mask the whole time, you know, basically that kind of thing. Then I, sw- I swung back through the Bay Area. And, you know, my thought here was like, I just got to at least see people from a distance Absolutely. You know, yeah. before winter because this could be a long winter and it's not going to be easy once, you know, we're stuck having to be inside because that seems to be problematic. Absolutely. So we did do a show at Terrapin. Phil was, Phil sat that one out, but Stu and Crosby and I did it. Wow. And, wait, wait, this was a, this was a, in the great room? No, no, outdoors. Out, outdoor. Okay, so that, yeah. Okay, so how? That's pretty cool. I mean, that's. I it mean, was. Yeah. It was cool, and it was. I mean, as far as I can tell, I mean, you know, we were able to do it, and everybody was able to do it without getting with, you know, near anybody. And they had in a in a place that usually would hold a space, an outdoor space that we would normally or have normally sold you know 17 1800 tickets there's 76 people out there in the yard so i think that never- is yeah and i and i i mean this is we I, we don't want to project too i, I don't want to do that um 
But I do think that that is um, the, the that should we should I'm at least preparing for that myself. It's been incredibly difficult. Now I'm starting to feel it more than ever because so much of my disease disease was healed by seeing live music going on the road and you know just right. bathing in this stuff and and it's like I'm I'm physically more tired now I'm, ex, I'm I'm more it's just because I haven't been getting that full pulse that full vibration of the band and yet at the same time just because I mean I also I mean I think people talk about this stuff in like the most Disneyland terms about a vaccine. It's like there are so many viruses that we've never been able to get a vaccine for. Like the idea that it's going to somehow be created in life. I mean, I know yeah. that I know that everybody wants that to happen, but when it's, you know, fully vetted by the FDA, when it's fully safe until that point and until you, I mean, it's going to be 17, 1800 peeps down to, uh, 250 peeps or 76 peeps look what they're doing for the the world series it's weird it looks weird you know oh my god yeah you, know, you got like uh, and yeah it looks weird even because they've been spending all summer watching nobody in the park and now there's some people in the park it's like <laughs> what are they doing there you dude know? they're there and it's like they're just like spread out all over the place and i'm like well you know i mean and then it based on the restrictions of each state i mean in california there are no fans but in texas there are fans it's it's just like it's a, it's an alternative pl- i just i wonder about um for me as a patron like it's it's a ama- you know it's a like you said i mean it's all these things can i when i go on the road can i find lodge this is before covid can i find lodging is it worth it can i make can i can i how many interviews can i do during this time how how much content can i create how much good music can i see it's all investment but if you're if right. you're if you're coming at me now saying well there's going to be heavily imposed rules i mean I, I i'm not somebody who likes to socialize to begin with at music concerts but if i can't be up front you know you know taking the the sweat and perspiration from jason crosby off into my face i'm not sure like i need to heal I, this is not like some like you know like you know vanity project so to me it's like very painful to know that we're probably going to be dealing with heavy restrictions as it relates to a, let's face it, music was made for healing. Ayrto's father was a healer. He healed people through music. This is what music is. And the idea that, oh, we're going to, you know, 50 seats available in a 500-seat venue so you can sit there with the party you came with and, and then you need to wear, you know, and you can't, congregate with anybody else it's like what yeah i i I really and i just feel like that is forget about the dark winter it's going to be it could be very dark in a lot of ways but you know i'm okay with outdoor stuff i i just i I don't even know i'm not making a point here i'm just saying it is it just i just want you to know that i think every and you probably know this but everybody's starting to everybody feels it day in and day out the idea of almost at an atomic level, um, a feeling of all these, all the full range of emotions, panic, rage, anger, anxiety, happiness, whatever, hope, faith. I don't, you know, it's, it's gotta be, I mean, would you say not just musically, but, um, would you say that this is the most trying time mentally for you and your, all the people, you know, 
Uh, well, I mean, certainly this is the most this is the most unique disruptive change event I've ever experienced, and probably and I think say obviously most far-reaching and, and from a collective standpoint. You know, yeah, it's like, and I mean, it's just all disruptive change. It's like when disruptive change lands on your life, you know, it really commands the day. And, you know, that's been, this has been commanding the day for seven months and uh, plus. Well, let me ask you something. This is really, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to ask you something about your music, the way you've been channeling your music. And I'm not talking about um, necessarily, uh, uh, live streams to an audience where you're taking requests, but like the blues came out of pure anguish and struggle. They came out of the field calls. They came out of slavery. It came out of living a certain life. Do you yeah. feel that your music, because like when train was playing that modal music, you know what? He didn't want people to feel comfortable. He didn't want to play the lilting Stan Getz American songbook stuff that, you know, tight little versions, people clap at the end. He wanted people to feel uncomfortable because uh, it was the sign. It was the social times. It was it was the, it was those civil rights pushes. It was a it was a, a push for struggle for equal rights. And I wonder when you talk about this disruption, do you think that it is in some ways, do you find it coming out, even when you're just thrashing around and practicing, a, is your music that you're making, even if it's in isolation, um, a depiction of the disruption and the, and, and the feelings that come with that? To me, that it, there could be a bright side and only that, you know, when things are kind of, you know, oh, okay, you're going to go on this tour and I blocked out this and your routine's in place and you're... Not that the gigs aren't fun or that crazy things happen, but we've never really lived the blues before, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I mean, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't say that. I mean, people have different con. I'm just saying, like, for musicians and people that love music and the musicians that play it, um, it's a pretty bluesy time. It's blues. Yeah. I mean, if there's a lot of levels to that. That's an, It's an interesting that's really an interesting train you're on there. I I definitely <laughs> feel, you know, I've I've felt things about like what I've been driven to. Mm-hmm. Um, right out of the gate with all this was like, wait, all of a sudden I'm just kind of hanging around with my guitar, and I'm not so much prepping for the next, you know, shedding for the next thing. What do I end up playing when I'm just on my own? Like that was a question I've got. And I found myself going back to uh, to going back to jazz. Wow! Like playing standards and chord melodies, chord melody on the guitar, and kind of getting back into some Miles and back into some Parker, and just sort of like getting my ear back on the bebop, like. The things that I would do to mine deeper into my own musical, like my improvisational stuff on the instrument, you know. Well, what what I'm hearing you say, and I want you to articulate this because I think that this is so important for cats that are younger than us. uh, You know, I mean, you are sort of in the middle. You're, you're, you're far from 
you know, receiving uh, Social Security, but at the same time, you're not a millennial and you've right. had a lot of experience. Are you basically saying to me, yes, we know we know the songs, we know the, the, the iconic figures you're talking about, but is it stuff, are you practicing stuff you don't know? To me, what I've learned from the, the older cats is, first of all, when, you know, when people practice, you know, when you listen to, um, you know, Sonny Rollins or I haven't had a chance to personally listen to him, but they sound great when they're practicing because they're, they're, just, they're just riffing, they're playing stuff they don't necessarily know, but it still sounds really good. And I wonder, like, do you feel like that's the, the emphasis is on that you should, when you're, especially in this time, push yourself to play stuff you don't know. And it's not going to sound good, but that's how you're going to grow. Yeah, I mean, anytime that there's spare time, that's what I I have done in my life. Sure. Like, I kind of basically chase, you know, I sort of on the one hand chase this kind of sort of, I, I don't know how to describe it, a jazz ideal, you know. And then uh, on the other hand, uh, I also have a, it also kind of jazz and blues, you know, and that all lives in an area. Right. And, but yeah, I definitely think you know that's a thing that can be done, and uh, you know, with this time, it's like, oh, well, I am definitely trying to stay organized and <laughs> get some goals and things like that. I'm definitely working on some stuff, but I'm also allowing myself some time to just kind of uh, uh, what a, it's almost like prepare the soil. You know what I mean? It's like condition the soil for what might grow out of this. Oh my and, god, dude! You're, you're, I'm, dude. Every day on the way to school with my younger daughter, we just crank early '80s live "Let It Grows," you know. And those right. <laughs> those lyrics are like, you know, the 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 work of his days measures more than the planting and growing. You know, you're toiling that soil. You know, you're you're getting it ready for when it is time for things yeah. to become to, for things to become fertile again musically. It's weird, and I I think I don't know. For me, I mean, I guess. I've just been forced through just all the years rolling on, like to be a little more patient with myself and like to really just allow stuff to kind of smolder and just kind of smoke on things for a while. And like this work, exactly this work. Now this time period, the, the product of it will probably be later you know, but there's work that's being done and saw, you know, there's, there's looking at the whole art trip. This has allowed this situation as disruptive as it has been mm -hmm. is exactly what allows for us to look at things differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's just talking to you now. Um, I just I just know that, you know, when I talk to. I mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of incredible old school black musicians and they, you know, Joe Chambers was talking about, a drummer was, you know, he, he came up in the middle 60s on, and, you know, I don't want to go too off the ledge here, but it's like he, he really said that, you know, um, Stanley Crouch was a jazz critic. He was also a free player. He just recently passed away and he was telling Joe, you know, actually the, the stuff you guys were doing in the mid 60s, uh, uh, on Blue Note, uh, the Bobby Hutcherson stuff and the Andrew Hill stuff. And, you know, that was actually avant-garde music because it was 
it, it had all the traditions in it. It had changes in it. And yet it was still being added on. And he was talking, basically saying guys like Albert Eiler and Archie Shep, which was relatively, which was a revelation to me. Um, and this was Joe Chambers talking, but he said those guys couldn't play. He said they couldn't play, uh, they couldn't back up a singer. They couldn't play gigs. You know, they, but what they were, and I've talked to, so he basically said that over time, Archie Shep got better and more proficient at playing. But early on in the, that when they were matching in the 60s, when they were, you know, checking each other out, I mean, right. there was a clear divide between cats that could play tunes, play changes, um, you know, show the traditions, and then also grow the music. And that was maybe more evident in some of the Blue Note records as opposed to you listen to sort of Archie or, um, but at the same time, I've now asked other people about what, how they felt about it. And, and here's the point. They were channeling how they really felt at that time. It was an anguished cry for justice and feeling. So, like, yes, they couldn't. It's what, we're, it's what you just talked about. It, it's, it's, it was an expression of the time. And I'd, yeah. like, I'd like to believe that the smoldering that's going out in, on inside of Scott Law is going on in a lot of people and that instead of um, and channeling that into actual freedom of expression and you're like, wow, maybe you'll make some music and be like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm not going to judge it. It's totally different. I've never heard that come out of me before. I have to right. believe that there has to be a silver lining and I think that might be it. I, I, I definitely, without naming it, you know, <laughs> yeah, which, what, shall we, what shall we say? Shall we call it by a name? There's no name yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. There's no name yeah. for it. Yeah. There's no name. I mean, there's some kind of uh, muse that if, and I think that what you said is key. And I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to read this to you. Um, I just transcribed it. I don't know. Have you had a chance to ever play with Joe Russo? Oh, yeah, I got to play with Joe a few times. Yep, love Joe. Yeah, he's a great cat. And he, I was transcribing this interview, and I want to read this to you because you said something very interesting. It's just really on so many levels. You said, I, I've i stopped being so self-critical or, you know, when you get into those smoldering phases or angry, like don't judge it, just let it let sit in it. You know, learn to figure out how to – to let it pass through you because it's only temporary and don't let your mind run away with you. And I just, and I want to read this to you <clears throat> and then, and then get your feedback. Cause we did this, I think uh, right around the, the end of 2019, he mm -hmm. said, um, <clears throat> if you look at the roster of all the tributes that have happened for Neil Casal, he was clearly respected and loved and adored by everybody. So he's got love. He's got people that respect and cherish his humanity. He had this new band, Circles Around the Sun, that started to gain steam. On paper, his life looked good, but I think people are pretty good about masking when they get into a bad space mentally. Since Neil's passing, I check in a little bit more with my friends and my family and making sure to ask a couple more questions than just the, hey, man, you good? And I wanted to ask you, you know, do you think, you know, you can include yourself in this or not, but what you said before was you don't, you're not, you've learned to stop being, and you know, everybody still has it, but you have learned to stop being so self-critical. Do you worry, do you, do you, are you a little, are your antennas up a little bit more related to 
these you're playing with top shelf musicians and artists who have a tendency to have a lot of manic emotions do you feel do you agree with joe that people can mask that easily and are you um in your own way trying to are you a little bit more aware trying to be a little bit more aware of uh the brother and sisterhood of people that you're around and how they're really doing instead of just sort of the you know perfunctory checking in on people uh yeah well definitely um and when I say I go and uh, accepting uh, myself a little more, it's really just only a little bit. I know. No, no, no. no. I, the, you know what, I'm just. You know what it is. I want to tell you, totally, dude. But you know what? Keep doing. Keep leaning into that because it's really the. You're going to continue to find. It's hard to do. I, I'm just saying, like it's don't. I'm I'm working on it right now. It's just like when you're in the bad space, don't judge it just know it's going to pass it it will pass yeah. but i i recognize yeah. you're 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 still working it out and my and i you know musically too it's just understanding that that it, it's more of like don't push things on the timeline you can't hurry what's bubbling under there you know That's but right. i definitely am aware there's something bubbling under there and this is probably we're i think we're all just going through a portal this is a giant portal <laughs> yes and we're yeah, all going yeah. through it um, oh man that is this is about as sci-fi as it gets with scott law i mean <laughs> hey listen you know we, we i just want to take a uh, we got a the game uh, name that voice uh, i don't expect you to know who it is but uh, pay attention to the content and uh, uh just as a prerequisite i'm not trying to indoctrinate you into any a cult or anything like that. So take a listen to this and we will come back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it did. I mean, when I, when I got connected, uh, uh, in, in Scientology, I, I went for a specific reason, you know, like, um, it wasn't like, um, I think this is, you know, a lot of the misconceptions that people have about Scientology. And, and can you hear now? No, no, nothing coming through. That's so interesting. Nothing coming through. I hear something very faintly. Okay, let me let, here. Here, let's try this. Any other of these sort of new new things out there? I, uh, you know, when I got into Scientology, I was very close to having a to becoming well, a. Still nothing. Okay, um, so, so we'll just you know that was um, basically I was going to play you a clip from um, my second interview with Stanley Clark, because, you know, in the nice. in the early 70s, um, when he joined Return to Forever, he, the, what he was saying was he was very close to becoming a serious drug addict. And um, he knew at that age he was too young to, to be feeling ba as bad as he was. He, 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 he knew that he was... If he didn't curtail some of these um, habits, whatever they were, um, that he, you know, it wasn't going to be good for him. And um, he, and so Chick Corea got him into Scientology, and he talks about Scientology a oh, lot. Wow, okay. It's really sure. cool, and I'll send you the interview later because I really wanted you to listen to what he talked about. Because basically, what he said was this: I mean, I'm not going to say that there wasn't drama later on because. 
what, what Stanley was saying was when he got in, he had to address his drug issue. And they had um, uh, Markinon, or they actually have their own drug rehab program. And so he went through that, and he cleared that up and moved on. But then he recognized also that he was very introverted, and he called himself shy. And so he took a course on communication. And, you know, I, I, I also... And so eventually he, he, he realized that it was, it was all-encompassing and Scientology, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on it, but there are cult-like beha- uh, things going on. And he tried to break away, and he did. And it fissured his relationship with Chick for quite a while. And then they, you know, to their credit, they have come back together again. They, you know, Stanley, even though he left Scientology, uh, didn't get disowned uh, by, by Chick, which is cool. But the question is this. So... I find in our society, it goes in music and politics, everybody gets branded, you know, I mean, you know, you you get, you hear the word Scientology, boom, you know, automatically, it's, you know, whatever you want to portray it as a cult or brainwashing or this or that, or, you know, you think of people that are part of it. Um, And, and I wanted you to talk, if you can, about a time, I just think it's important more than ever before for people to drop that insatiable need to brand because I think people can glean stuff from things that might, when you paint with a broad brush, you could stereotype it. Um, and I, you know, even with Stanley, he went in, he addressed his drug habit, he addressed communication for himself and it was really helpful. And then he left. And I just wasn't sure if you could talk about a time, maybe it was musically or personally you were in a rut and you turn towards something that really helped you and you know it and maybe it's misunderstood or not recognized for the power that it has i think what i'm trying to get at is for people to be able to keep an open mind they ha- people have to be more open minded than ever before and we're we're on we're teetering on that we're teetering right now politically on nihilism versus potential gateway towards uh, a whole new we're really not that far away from turning the chapter but it feels like the weight of of you know uh crash and burn or you know scorched earth is going to ru- rule the day and I, I wasn't i just wanted to know if you have had an experience getting out of a rut in your life through something that is traditionally at the stereotypical level considered to be um taboo or you know, just basically keeping, you've always kept your mind open to things, no matter what the general stigma might be towards it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Um, I definitely, you know, before we go to that. Sure. I just wanted to circle back on the one thing from before. Please. About awareness of people's mental health yeah go ahead because that's definitely a thing um you know what what it was before you go on that's what russo was saying was he wasn't talking about people he was talking about creative musicians they're the ones that normally not accountants or jake fine i mean they're the ones that mask it so go ahead well yeah i mean i was just gonna say um that whole I mean that's a whole can of worms to begin with, which which is interesting. Just when you when you start to look at, you know, what drives art, what drives artists, and 
how hard are dr artists driven, especially in, in our country and in other places where arts generally aren't supported by mainstream society really and things like that. So now you add this situation into the mix and yeah, definitely been checking in, especially with certain people. Good. And you know what? Yeah. Crew people. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Thank you like, for the shout out. I, I mean, dude, the roadies, gotta, man. Hey, yeah. like, I got to be in touch with my crew people because these guys are the easiest ones to not see. Yeah. You know? Well, their whole job is to be seen not or heard, just do their, you know, in a normal time. And, you know, when they, and they really have had, so you, and you're, yeah. you're and, and, and so like, can you just talk, I think it's important as a modeling perspective, because some people would be like, you know, I don't want to uh, be nosy or I don't want to keep pestering somebody. I mean, do you have to be a little bit, do you have to push a little bit in order to make sure that they really are okay? I mean, I think, yeah, with some folks, you know, I mean, and, and the other thing is, is not all of them I know that well, except right. for, you know, I know these men and women from, from, our work time in the trenches and that, that, that may be many hours, but it's also, it's of a type of socialization. So, um, but yeah, you know, just being caring about folks and just letting them know you appreciate them and, and all that. I try to do, do, do that in the wake of this definitely feels like a little alarm goes off. You know, every week it's like, Oh, you know, I wonder whatever I should just, someone pops into my head and I just text them, you know? Um, I know for myself, I mean, they're, you know, we're all just putting on a mask every day, no matter what, no matter when in life. I mean, that's kind of part of what life is. It's a stage, you know? Well, I think, and I just want to say that you're 100% right. And one of the reasons I love going to see spiritual music is because I can melt that, that mask melts away. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I mean, I definitely, uh, we're all... Uh, this situation has just peeled back volatilities and vulnerabilities in all of us. And, and I definitely, you know, I feel that there's a different tone to the check-ins. I have felt them coming to me as well, you know, hmm. like, Hey, you good? Like, really you good? You know, Oof. things like that. And, and I'll say too, you know, we were talking before how, okay, I, uh, I, at the end of, you know, all of this summer, I think we gathered a lot of data. We saw a lot of how, what could happen. No, there's not going to be any hot, steamy rock shows for a while. We know that. <laughs> but right. we can go in the yard and do a little gig, you know. Sure. We can mask up and stay away from each other and all that. And I will say it was doing that was really a mixed bunch of feelings because – at the same time, it was just such a joy to be in the presence of, you know, your people oh, and yeah. some of the folks that you just love making music with and some of the folks that you just love being around. But at the same time, kind of to what you were saying, it's like there is a solemn, there is a solemnness to it and a melancholy to it that made me very on the flip side of that coin. It was really sad. Yeah. I, dude, you, you just nailed it. Well, I mean, you're, that's it. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's humbling. 
and I don't, and I just feel like the way we're headed that it's just, it's, it's going to be the, I don't want to say the new normal, but it's going to be with us for quite some time. I mean, I, I, I spent hours in 2019 in the front row of the Brooklyn bowl, like just, you know, three, you. you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, just, just, just getting off and healing. I mean, I don't, it was, I saw so many different people, but <laughs> I spent hours there and I, I had, you know, there were some nights where I'd get there early and be able to get right up front. Some nights roll in late and have to weave up to the front. But the idea that it was just a mass of humanity and it was a good vibe and every time was like a little bit of anarchy. And it's like, how in the hell is this ever going? I mean, I don't want to go to, it's just that to me, to, to, it just, I, I was healed for days. Not, right. you know, and, and, and so, and you take away that yoga, that, that, that ability uh, for the musician to inspire and then for the audience to, for, to just to raise the collective consciousness, passing it back and forth. And I'm not talking about a 30,000 seat rock palace. I'm just talking about, you know, five, yeah. you, know, t- you know, the great room or something. I mean, it's, you know, you know, I, 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 I tend to have primordial screams during shows and it's like, why can't, can I really do that anymore? Like, you know, what if, what if, you know, saliva comes out of it? You know, like what? It's just like, I don't want to be walking on eggshells. You know, I just, and, and yet it seems like the melancholy, solemn part of it is just like, we're on, musicians and the audience, everybody's on eggshells. That's kind of the way, it, you know, you're, you're, you're roller skating a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just this under undercurrent of the whole experience, and you know, emotionally, which is just like, oh wow, yeah, and this, and this <laughs> is what we don't do anymore, and this is what my, in our collective existence, how we all would come together, and this is what our collective existence was often made of which can be no longer in these moments. And that was part just like super shocking in a way. Just like, wow, just super bum you out. Like, bum me out. I mean, I was happy, stoked to play, but, you know, I got this freaking mask on. Like, it's just like this, you know. Yeah. And disruptive you... change. <sighs> got to roll with it, I guess. But wow, wow. <laughs> and no, it doesn't seem like... I mean, it does seem like a hot, steamy rock show is a long way off. So, well, you know what? What's I, I, possible I, I, in its in its stead? You know what? What will grow in to fill those spaces next next year? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, different it, music. It's different just I, I wouldn't. Again, I also am just. I mean, I feel. I mean, when you think about it, um, I, I think I'm not only have I been personally impacted by the virus and its deadly consequences, I also look at, you know, this obfuscation of responsibility uh, by the current powers that be. And I just am petrified about the ability that if certain things go a certain way that, you know, we're going to, I mean, basically somebody at the debate last night, they, they said, you know, we have to learn to live with it. Which means that we're looking at, you know, I mean, if, if that's going to be the, we don't have a national plan. And if we did have a national plan at the beginning 
and we had kept the cases down, it's very possible that touring at some level might have already started already. But we are a complete mess in this country. So nobody really feels safe to go Idaho, Utah, Colorado, even a Mountain West tour playing bars or whatever. It's a total calamity, and it's a tragedy. And I don't know if if the, long, the more messy it gets, the harder it's going to be to make people feel safe. I mean, ultimately, it's like, it's not like you guys were getting, you know, you know, Stevie Wonder money, but it's like, you know, you want to go out and make some dough when you play. You know, you want to go home with a little money in your pocket. You want to go home and everybody gets their share, whatever that is. But people have to people have to come to those shows. They have to come. They have to pay, you know, spend money. They have to pay for the merch. And that all was so intoxicating for me the last couple of years. And as just as, as a purveyor of music and as a reporter, it's, it's like, how am I really going to invest that money at the, clearly at this time, but are we, is Scott Law and I going to be doing part four of our interview a year from now, and we're going to be talking about the same thing? I, I mean, it's petrifying to me. Yeah, yeah, God. Do you do you have? I, I noticed that you're mutual friends with with um, on Facebook with uh, with Sunshine Keezy, but I I, I kind of feel like maybe you should be burrowing in with Mountain Girl down in Eugene and playing some private gigs down there. I'm serious, dude. They're the, they're, I mean, Babs and Walker, those guys are, I mean, that, that, you're totally part of that crew, man. Oh, sign me up at the pranksters anytime. I mean, <laughs> you know? really, really, if you, are you, because I mean, I'm, I, I mean, if you need any kind of, I would love to, I mean, if you know them already, great, but if, you, I mean, those guys, you should be down there playing. I mean, they're freaking, they're the, they're the shit, man. Well, we'll, we, I think like, kind of like we were saying it's like now having a little bit of an understanding of you know what is reasonable what is possible to do safely and all that all of those things in place then uh then yeah totally and you know um those guys are all it's a pretty busy time of year uh, this time of year as you know yeah and, uh, eugene and most of Oregon and California and Washington. Um, but yeah, I mean, the future is local, man. For the immediate future, I think the future is local. It's going to be more local because, you know, you can't plan. And the God, the poor restaurants and bars, I mean, restaurants, I love food. You know, sure, I mean, of course, dude. <laughs> dude, know? it's been, I mean, really, I mean, we, we it's been all takeout, you know, for the last seven months for us. Oh. So, you know, I, I mean, yeah, the I just feel like the future is going to be more local because more things are up in the air. Like, you can't really plan ahead because you don't know if they're going to shut down, the, if they're going to lock things down or regulations are going to change on a dime. Everything's got to be kind of Grateful Dead style, just out of the hip pocket, right? <laughs> so, Off. We can roll with that. No, but we I mean, like, you know, the that. question, you know, I mean, and that's the thing, like, um, uh, I got a bunch of stuff, but like, for instance, like the good foot, I don't know. These are venues that you've played at like the good foot or Mississippi studios, like in Portland there, you know, they absolutely, those are haunts and the Laurel thirst, club. the Laurel thirst, man. I mean, you know, like, 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 okay. So take those venues. Is there, I mean, I'm like, can Scott law and Jimmy Russell play on out on the sidewalk? <laughs> like, and in the out, because it seems like the outdoor space 
is more com- I mean, I certainly would be more comfortable in those spaces. But, like, you know, the good foot, I remember uh, interviewing um, uh, Sean Batters, who's the bass player with, the, with, with Jimmy Russell and plays Bone as well. And he just – he called over to the good foot, and this is going back to the summer. And he's like, you know, are you guys booking any shows? Or, I mean, is there anything going on? And they're like, well, we can pencil you in for dates in the fall, but – I mean, we got nothing happening. And, I mean, that place is, like, downstairs, heavy, you know, indoor. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the magic of it. I mean, I don't, you know. I, dude, it, that's it, totally it. it. Like, that's <laughs> the magic of, that's your hot, steamy rock show. It, dude, the, the, I'm the just back, sweating, you know? man. Just, just liberating and healing. And I can't, you know, and, and for me, it's like I'm not, I, I just, I like to go into my own zone. And I was already way into my own like world at a live concert and yet people everybody has their own um i mean i I think i saw a picture of you guys uh, after you played that private gig in in uh was it colorado boulder did you say or Uh yeah you know and and like like i would have wanted to be up front not bothering anyone i just want to feel the vibration but yet are people going to pull me back or am i going to get escorted out of there like I, <laughs> yeah. you know like I, I i can't everybody has their own everybody has their own you know like you said i think part of it is also just most people that you collaborate with and make music with and are around are conscious of humanity and the idea of saying, I don't want to do something and then hear about the fact that two people got really sick with COVID. Like you wouldn't want to feel that way, you know? And yet, yeah. I, and yet I, you know, and, and somehow, and yet there's this whole other strand of our society that is being channeled to say, just go out and act as if everything's fine. It's no problem. So I, you know, I applaud you guys for having the discipline and uh, as hard as it is to, to not indulge i don't know how you're doing it i mean did you did you did did you for the people how did how did it was it even determined who could come to the show with crosby and Stu allen and then um like did you get did you talk to people at all about how they they felt was there did was there a side place for dancing i mean how close to the stage could you go can you break down like what that feeling? Yeah, yeah, it was actually. I think what's cool is uh, right now, and this is. I mean, it. This is just me kind of riffing on what I observe and what I know yeah. from from uh, the experience and the setup. I mean, basically, I think the vibe at this point is like, look, let's just get some music to happen. Forget about whatever. This is for the community. The community needs music, so let's not worry about so much about we're going to provide a, a multi-course dinner experience <laughs> yeah. and all that. Let's get <laughs> folks in here. We're going to bag them up a really good quality uh, salad food situation. Uh, it's So we're just doing simple. It's one thing. It hits all everybody. Right. Free, vegan, blah, blah. Okay. Right. Food taken care of. That means you can buy a drink at the bar from that guy over there. And the re- with the plexiglass in between them. And everyone has a mask on at all times. Except if you're actually taking a sip of your drink or eating. And 
we had table 36 tables spread over this whole big beach park all uh, measured spaced at least six feet and there are only two tops so you could buy a ticket buys you a two top so you can come with your with your quarantine bubble mate and instead of like having five <laughs> tops right right five tops where people were mixing and matching and you know they weren't all sitting together you sure. know, all in the same bubble now it's easier and it's less uh, less variables to go wrong and it really did look like to me I was like man that is I'm totally comfortable and I'm super hardcore about this because really? I'm high risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that see, that's cool. So you but I mean yeah. now I don't I know this is kind of out of your this is not exactly in your wheelhouse, but like they're following guidelines for safety, but this also has to be something like um I, do you know the um I don't you know, he seems to know everybody, but and he was he's a brilliant uh keyboardist, is John Ginty. Do you know that cat? Uh, I feel like I know that name. Yeah, well, he's been around, and he's playing with, okay, so he's playing with, um, right now, uh, the n- latest configuration of the <clears throat> Dickie Betts, Greg Allman band. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just texted him about doing set two of our interview, and he's like, I'll be off the road from this tour uh, in early November. And, you know, so these are bands that are big name um, recognizable name bands that can sell out arenas um, and sell out movie halls and things like that. And and they also, but so you have these indoor concerts that are incredibly socially distanced. He's clearly doing them. But my question is, okay, everything's spaced six feet apart. Is Is there a liability issue going on too? Like, I mean, do you feel like, they're doing this stuff because no matter what, um, like in the case of the Terrapin Crossroads thing, I mean, they don't want to get sued. We live in this culture now where, you know, it, it, that's what's that's what's so hard for. That's why they can't pass a stimulus bill, because the Democrat, the, the Republicans want to put stuff into the bill that says that, um, you know, businesses cannot get sued if they don't follow CDC guidelines, whereas. Democrats are saying, no, there there has to be these kinds of, I mean, do you feel like, I don't know, I feel like we live in such a litigious society now, even if it's a bunch of happy hippies going to San Rafael, um, the restrictions are do, be done because of safety, but how much of this is also like, like when I, the reason I brought up John Ginty and the, and the Allman brother, I feel like the overhead, whatever insurance that they have to put into on the venue they can afford to do that but most people can't do that i don't know i you know to me it's like there's something there that has to well, do with the yeah with i mean the, that's an interesting line and that's a line that 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 whole you know liability thing that's been heating up over the last 10 10 years right you know right it, that's been on my radar with this thing i mean i all i know is with like folks I'm dealing with and folks like a Terrapin, it's like this is we're going to not only are we going to meet, but we're going to exceed what whatever the official line is, because now nobody can really trust that anyway. So it's more like, you know, absolutely it's like the boxes are are going to be six plus feet apart, but the tables are more like 10 or 12 feet apart. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like so it was like. I mean, but that's a that's a thing 
with all this. That's a side of this. Nobody's, yeah, nobody's even really, we don't know. We don't, you know, the first festivals that come back. I mean, festivals, like the whole deal with festival insurance over the last several years has turned into such a big pain in the butt. Like, now, what was it? What, what was it? Play a little set. You know, right. opening up the festival without having to buy an insurance policy. Well, now, let me ask you a question. Just explain to me before COVID, um, you, you're saying as a, as a standalone Cosmic Twang or whatever band, you had to buy an insurance policy. Yeah, sometimes there's been interesting. It's diff, been different with different festivals. Like, I mean, I carry insurance, but um, like you know, professional insurance. But if but it's not always for the amount or set up the way that they would want. And if you're part of a band, like certainly if you're in a touring band, you know, your band kind of has to have insurance. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been times where it's actually like, wait, I had to sign this weird little thing and, and I I'd basically sign a thing that said they would take my payment for the insurance out of my check which I just thought was really weird. Like, it wasn't... Actually, it was maddening. It was like, wait, you're forcing me to buy something just to work? Wait a minute. Even if... even, But, I mean, what were the... You mean, even if nothing went down, they were going to do that? They were going to take it out? Yeah, yeah, because some liability things that were... You know, things happening at venues. And we're just talking... We're we're talking about... Yeah, we're talking about, like, you know, tragedies of somebody falling, being so... falling off out of the balcony and, and dying. And then all of a sudden that's going to come back on. Th- that's what I'm talking about. You know, like that, that's right. Right. Wow, no, wow. this was like festival. This was a festival situation. Somebody went crazy the year before and, you know, yeah. uh, so all of a sudden the venue was under all this pressure. I mean, point your point. I mean, taken. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's all of that. I think at this point, everyone's just like, we don't want to be associated hmm. at all with anybody getting sick for any reason. Absolutely. You know? Well, I mean, dude, I, I mean, I, that's why, <laughs> that's why I think what you guys, what Terrapin did, even though it's, it's for me, it's, it's, it's not as conducive to a spiritual experience being, you know, constrained right. in that sense to do stuff even more exaggerated to, to not just see, but I mean, there is a, a CYA component to it, but it's just like, you know, you want to go above and beyond, you know, at this point, And it's so, and you want to do it for all the right reasons. And at the same time, there's fatigue out there because people just want to get back in. And, and, and because I, I mean, at least in my point of view, I just, I, I it's just very humbling to see all the greed and all the the need to, you know, prioritize certain things in our society, and yet knowing that there can't be, um, you know, a huge amount of emphasis and focus and resources put towards putting together safe communal music. It may not be possible right now. I mean, you know, but it's like, I just I, sometimes I wish there were more people than just the musicians. There's nobody standing up for the musicians. You know, it really pisses me off, and it it really, um, you know, I know in the fifth in the fifties, um, I just found this out from Dean Parks, the great guitar player. He said, 
you know, these brilliant cats, uh, even pre-wrecking crew cats, I mean, they had to go on strike because at that time with TV coming in, you know, soundtracks, jingles, commercials, um, they were being taken to the woodshed and, the, and they realized that they did have some leverage because human beings were making the music. And if the human beings went on strike, then none of the projects could get done. So when they finally got to the bargaining table, a lot of these cats made really good deals with management and people like Dean Parks and Jim Keltner and all these cats rode those coattails. And right. I, you know, and it's, that's the biggest, the most, the hardest part of this is the, you know, and I was talking to Dan Horn about this is just uh, creating a musician's guild of some sort, not really being affiliated with the union per se, but something where there's going to be advocacy for, uh, the priority for musicians that and 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 uh, you know and I don't have the the acumen or it's above my pay grade but you know and there's going to be lawyers are going to have to be involved but it's just coming out of this there has to be some kind of momentum towards advocating for musicians musicians rights musicians compensation um, because there's nobody standing up. For, and it's not just music, it's just the arts in general. It just seems to be, um, uh, at least at the political level, completely misunderstood and not considered a necessity. And so that's the other part that's, 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 that's making me very edgy. It's not just the, the constraints for safety, which is totally legitimate. It's also what was going on before covid was far from perfect. I mean, it wasn't even in, in, like you said, I mean, people are like, you got to sign this and this insurance thing and, and we're going to take it out of your, your pay. You know, it's just, it, oh, yeah. you know, this is like, it just, it, it was already a, an effed up situation. So, I mean, I just want to, you know, to me, there's a couple of very pressing things. And like you said, very well, I mean, like, you know, last year at this time, you could look at your calendar. I mean, you might be working tonight. You might be looking forward to a, a week tour here or a few gigs here, and then you got this big thing I'm going. I'm supposed to be in in Europe right now. Right. Well, exactly. So so it's like, you know, it's like, um, and then you just said before very very eloquently. Um, you can't force. I forget exactly what you, you can't force nature. You just can't. The, the, you can't push what's not there. There's nothing there there. And, you know, it, it's so it's it's like this this portal that we're living through this Rubicon and and part of me also feels and I will say this. I mean, I, I and I don't want to I mean, it would be um, I mean, I would follow every rule possible, but I do feel like, you know, I mean, they're opening my my younger daughter's school next week. They're going from currently 70 kids to 370 kids and coronavirus is going up right now mistakes are going to be made um tragedies are going to occur and i i think the idea of perfection or that these things are going to come back and it's going to be just perfect i think there is going to be some blips and there's going to be some things that are bad you know and and i'm not talking about police beating up a kid like at a dead show or something i'm talking about people getting covid I don't see any way around it. Eventually, you're going to have to. I mean, part of what Trump talks about living with it, I know what he's sort of saying, but, you know, unfortunately, we've just, 
you know, I, I know, I know it's not going to be perfect when it comes back. I do feel like there's a, there's people that like, you know, you're susceptible. There are people, there are other people that are just incredibly, um, they have their own, you know, the idea that I guess all I'm saying is nothing is going to come back perfectly. There's going to be bumps in the road. So yeah, I would just hope that easy for me to say because if businesses push the envelope too much and they get too risky and someone gets sick then they're getting sued so who am i to say i don't know you know i don't know yeah i don't know i you know well, I, yeah you know the thing too with this something like this is if the virus is not around it's just not around so it can get to that point you know like you know uh, um there are scenarios that are hopeful on whatever timeline they're, they're, they're at. Like, there's no absolutes to this. I agree. I think that's, that's for sure. It's bound to, you know, and, and, and who knows what other ones of these might come around, you know? Right. I mean, this is an ongoing, the flu is an evolving thing. All of these, um, you know, viral and bacterial, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but this is <laughs> what we've sort of all kind of come to presume absolutely yeah this is not going to be right you know i and i mean i get i guess just and and actually circling back i think one we left on the table you know was like what what to do what to do when such fretting (laughs) you know is (laughs) upon us and and really right now we're all tripping because this other looming portal you know the big unspoken portal oh man is bigger than the virus <laughs> really. that's the it's see like, that's what right choice yeah you're right is the biggest country it uh, um what what choice is this country who likes to be the biggest and the best and calls itself that but what choice is it is really going to come out of this election and that's all like kind of looming on everybody's plate and that's been driving a lot of anxiety for a lot of people yeah dude i think i've been like dude i've (laughs) I've been like for the last hour i've been like in analysis with you you know like i mean we're all um it's a frantic time it's 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 insane and you know it's also petrifying because i mean um Civility and kindness, I think that's kind of what made the Grateful Dead so, um, I mean, I don't want to be Pollyannish because there were a lot of, there was some weird scenes going on within the dead scene, but, you know, it's that, it's that, um, it just feels like we're teetering between civility and pure barbarism in the middle of a completely unprecedented pandemic pandemic that I can count on my hands, the number of people that have been alive uh, for the last, nobody's been around for something like this. So anybody that thinks they have answers or things like that, it's just, it's, it's not there. And you're right. It's if I just feel like if we had more competent leadership that was loyal to the actual American people, that we'd be much farther along and we would be having conversations about modified festivals, modified concert halls, modified tours, because people would feel safe. But nobody, nobody knows in the big, everything's bigger in Texas or Georgia. Nobody knows because those are anti-mask states or there are states that, you know, they don't believe in masks. Well, 
businessmen travel and people travel and they spread this stuff all over the place. It's just like, that's not conducive to, so it's maddening because every other industry, for better or for worse, some will go under and obviously restaurants are struggling and things like that. But, you know, musicians deserve a crack at this and it's just being botched more and more. So I'm hoping, and it's just, and it's just also like knowing and feeling and, and knowing that, I hate to say this, but um, you know living in Portland. But um, no matter what um, the result, and I feel like the virus is um, some kind of um, byproduct of of the rot in our society. But at the same time, I really, Scott, you know, I, I, I fear that no matter what the outcome of the election, that there will be a lot of bloodshed. And I think that that will be um, the biggest tragedy of it all. And, 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 and I, I think it's going to be unprecedented. And I think um, the, the lame duck session and how to extract this person, if they do get shellacked or lose by five, I don't know how it's going to happen. And, and yeah. I, and that yeah. is, that's the part that I don't want hurt anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to get hurt. And I feel like people, especially on a particular side of the spectrum are so enraged that they only want to hurt. And I, and they are feeling so much hurt that they are going to put that on other people. And, um, right. And I think that's where my anxiety comes from. And it wouldn't. And, and, and so then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well maybe going to the Brooklyn bowl is not the biggest priority at this point, but you know, like, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, I, I appreciate you letting me talk this stuff out, but you know, like no, it's, I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Keep going. No, it's just, it's, it's hard, man. It's, and I can't imagine, um, do you feel uh, we can, we can wrap up set two on, on this line. I mean, you're, you are a lifer in music. Um, you openly admit you can't believe that you've been blessed enough to, to live on a career doing stuff that you love to do, playing the instruments you love to do, playing the music and with the people you love for so long. Um, do you, do you have, do you think just because of the laws of gravity that a lot of people, people that you have created with a lot will walk away from music and go into something else? You know, I don't, I, well, I, I, everybody's situation obviously is different. And I think at certain levels of, uh, I mean, at different age levels, things may look different. Um, you know, but most of, I mean, uh, yeah, it's possible. It's possible that you know, if there isn't a kind of an industry structure there to, you know, keep it going, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, people are going to do less music or they're going to rely less on it for their income, which is probably going to leave them less time to do it. Right. So, I mean, I think there's going to be, sure, there's going to be some impacts there. It's pretty discouraging, too. Like, you know, I mean... Circling back earlier, you know, you were asking about what do you do when it's, <laughs> yeah. where do you go and when things get this, like, in life. Right. And in the past in life, when I've had this kind of disruptive change, 
Um, you know, in those situations, a lot of times they were things that had more to do with external stuff, like the business of the music, like or or I left a band and, you know, kind of every time you start a new project, basically, no matter how far along you are as an individual, you kind of go back to square one. Absolutely. All of that. Like one thing, I mean, what is it that keeps this fire burning, man? It's creating. That's right. And That's right. It, it really just blows that you can't do it with your people or amongst people, you know, with people as much. Um, it, it, and I'm, you know, the people that I know that are playing music now and, you know, we're, we're all, we call ourselves musicians and have made a living doing it. it it's, be, that part doesn't go anywhere. The music, the creative part has to be there. And I always have to tell myself, like when I'm getting, when I'm getting bummed out or when I'm literally like things are starting to stop working. Yeah. You know, yep. in a situation or whatever, I was like, okay, forget it, man. I have got to just focus back on the music. Like, literally, I need to just go and play the music because that is when – so the creative thing, you know. You're totally – no, 100 for us all to make our art, make think of our new ideas, write it down, whatever it is, you know. We're going through a portal. Let's bring good stuff through with us. Well, I think, and I think that you you nailed it. First of all, I've been operating on that frequency for ten years. Uh, I was way off the grid. I've been in the woods, cutting myself out with a machete. I don't live in fear, and like you said early on, I mean, I'm fatigued because of the. Uh, I, I feel like I'm atrophying a little bit, not being able to go on the road and dance. I haven't been able to dance. I haven't been able to like you know move. Um, so in that sense, it's hard. But this is the key. The key is with creation for people, for musicians, for authentics. It's right. about, it's, it's, this is what it's about. It's about intention. It's just about creation. It's not to be judged. And there should be no expectations about it. It's about merely intent. What are your intentions? And if your intentions are just to try to make yourself feel better and to do it for the most honest, open reasons, then you're going to be okay. If you attach any expectations to it, that's when you get into trouble. Art in general, yeah. art should be shared and not judged. So in, as we go through this portal, when you go back to that music, yeah, you know, you miss a bridge, you, you blow through some changes, who cares? I mean, Russo, to, to just to go back to that, I mean, he was talking, I asked him about having kids and how that's impacted music and his music, and, and this is before COVID, but... He said, right. he said it, the music all of a sudden is not the most precious thing. It's, it's okay to make mistakes. Nobody's going to die. Stop, right. ta stop, taking it, stop treating it like the most precious thing. It's about creating, making things. And the best, yeah. the best part about musicians like yourself is that you're creating stuff improvisationally in the moment in front of people who are – addled by mushrooms or in a sofa, whatever they are, they're freaking out, having a ball, and that's the magic. And then you walk away and you're like, I'm smarter, more enlightened, sharper. And so, you know, to me, it's it's also about when you're creating, don't put any expectations, and um, it's okay. Imperfection is perfection. There's nothing 
too precious. And I think that that's also been a lesson of COVID is that um, cherish what is closest to you and always keep constantly creating. It, it's not about the money. It's not about anything else. It's about yep. creating. And I think you, I think you, you're spot on, man. So you have any, uh, you have any like house gigs coming up or anything like that? Um, I just, yeah, you know, I've got no, I, I'm just, I've continued to, um, do my Monday 4.20 PM Pacific live stream yes. on Facebook, yes. um, on Deadheadland Facebook page and on my own Scott Law music page. I'm doing that and, you know, bumping out some little videos every week and, keeping on writing and thinking and practicing and I'll probably do more stuff over the winter time, like special events and whatnot, just online, you know, I guess. So yeah, just keeping the fires burning, man. Best well, I can. Listen, if you want to get in touch with, uh, I feel like a very strong desire to connect you with George Walker. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, he's one of the, uh, one of the remaining original Merry pranksters and, uh, plays the saxophone, which is his own version of a saxophone. And, you know, these the Merry Pranksters were not musicians, but they were, um, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, they were creators. I mean, I, you know, they were performers and they were. So if you're looking for an intro to a new portal in your in an amazing state, um, to me, it's open air down there in, in uh, Scapoose and uh you know, if you're looking, for, if you need to bust out of Portland for a minute, you want to make some new connections down there. I just feel like that. I look at the Merry Pranksters and I'm like, dude, they are the 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 absolute. Um, they are they are so important to our cultural heritage right now. Oh, big time. I mean, they were able to diffuse. They were so important in diffusing all of this. There was so much polarization during the Vietnam war and they were so skillful at disarming people and making it take and, and diffusing all of the, the tension and the anger. It's that stuff has always been part of our culture. It's a matter of, right. are you crafty enough to diffuse that and then turn it into something where my God, you know, you have the hell's angels and you have Allen Ginsberg and all these cats hanging out together, you know, like when can you get to a point where we all recognize that we are all one human race. And uh, so if you, if you ever, if you ever want an introduction to Babs or Walker or, you know, whatever, let me know. I mean, they're anytime, you know, I've, I've met Babs in passing and um, I, I certainly um, know sunshine and MG a little bit, but, but, you know, definitely uh, I, I superhero power of connection. Any, I don't know George, George, so, uh, dude, I'm thinking you and Walker should. I'm just saying you're living. I mean, you're so lucky um, to be living in such a cool. St I know there's a lot of strife in in Portland proper, but I mean, I just love the cats. All so many cats that live in that state, and then I just was like, I mean, again, this is all pre-COVID, but those guys, like, they are like the direct lineage to yes. uh, to all the cats i mean you know like i mean rasan roland kirk was was going back after the gigs of the keystone to Londa and dropping acid with keezy i mean it was just so sick you know the, the whole thing yeah. so yeah i mean down the if you're if you're getting if you're feeling the walls closing in in portland 
I just would love to do a connection with you. Definitely need to know those guys and and uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, man. I'm gonna put it together because yes. those those guys are freaking legends. So anyway, yeah, I love it. Jake. Yeah, man. I love dude, it. Scott that Law, man, dude, keep doing your. Th- I'm proud of you, man, and thank you for being an uh, inspiration to a lot of people who definitely have their masks on. And 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 I just my final thing is to say thank you for being. Uh, yourself because I think a lot of people are really hurting right now that don't have as much experience as, or <clears throat> maybe insight in terms of the long game and how to stabilize yourself during this time. And I hope that um, you can be a, a you know, a, a role model for others who are rightfully hurting and, and, and are a little bit afraid to speak up because uh I just don't want anything bad to happen to people. Uh, you know, I don't want any self-inflicted harm. And, and I just feel like that as we head into this darker time with less sunlight and, yeah. and so I just don't want anyone to, to shut off or, or give up, you know, and, 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 and you, I don't hear any giving up in your voice. So thank you, brother. Oh man. Well, thank you, Jake. And yeah, if I, I mean, all, man, even just of the ability to, to talk with someone openly about all of this stuff, it, man, I I hope that's helpful. We oh. all need something sometimes. Dude, I do this like nine times a week, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like... Man, I, mean, I really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy... I really enjoyed the times that we've spoken, and I... I uh, I hope we get to do it again. Oh, we'll do it again, man. Yeah, much love. I'll get this uh, later. We'll get this interview up, hopefully bring some smiles to people's faces, you know? Right on, Jake. All right, man. brother. Be cool, man. Okay, you too. Be well. You too. Peace. Call anytime. Later, dude. All right, bye. Great hang with Scott Law. Tremendous week on the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you to Jim Parisi and everybody else. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then.